0: In your Bible, if you would, to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. We're going to be looking this morning at the seventh of seven letters that the Lord wrote to His churches. This one in an ancient city, which doesn't exist anymore as it was, but an ancient city called Laodicea. The Laodicea was built up on a plateau that overlooked uh, a trade route. Actually, it overlooked two trade routes that kind of came together at a crossroads, And that's the best they can tell. That's the origin of the city. As people would trade along these two trade routes, they came to this intersection. Some would go one way, some would go the other. But it it was a good place for a city to benefit from trade. Laodicea grew very wealthy because of this strategic location for trade. Uh, Goods and money flowed like water. You know what didn't flow? Water. Because they were up on a plateau. And there was a river about two miles away, but it was downhill. And so they could walk two miles, carry the water back every day, but to call that an inconvenience is a great big understatement to be that far away from what they really needed. Uh, They had like stone pipe technology back then, and they could have had the water, except that the river was down and they were up. Water doesn't like to go that direction through a pipe. But good for them. There was another geologic feature nearby, and we're going to get to see a picture of it up here, which is just a remarkable-looking thing. It was hot springs. Does that look like a glacier or something? These are hot springs. People would come from all over on the trade route often and would stop and take the waters here, natural hot water bubbling up out of the ground, full of different minerals. And and you could see the minerals over the years made deposits. And it was white kind of calcium looking deposits. This is 300 feet high, raises up out of the ground. You could see it from miles away because it's so white, it just stands out against the the background. The 300 feet tall, white deposits, and because it was so high, it was higher than the city. So What they did is they connected a pipe from there to their city. And that, for the first time, provided them the water that they needed. But when they got all done, and I can only imagine the effort that it took back then to pipe water a couple miles across a valley. To a city. When they got all done, they discovered to their sorrow that the hot water had become only lukewarm. And as they went to drink it, it had all the, the, the minerals in it. The lukewarm water with the minerals in it was nauseating. And they couldn't stand to drink it. Now they got around it, they put it in jars for like a day, let it cool off, and could could kind of drink it. But their water situation was a big deal to this city. And if you're familiar with the letter to Laodicea, you're, you're already putting pieces together because the Lord addresses this. He takes this real situation and he draws spiritual application for them from it. And hopefully, spiritual application for us as well. So, with that in mind, let's read from God's Word, Revelation chapter 3. We're going to begin down in verse 14. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, write. The words of thee, Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So, because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I am rich. Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Father, we pray this morning that you would give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit says to the churches. We know this is a, a word for all churches at all times, and therefore, it is a word directly to us this morning. I pray that you would speak and that you would help us here, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we, we begin this letter with a problem. Jesus says, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. This, this word, spit you out, is delicately translated for us. The, the Greek could go either way, either spit or vomit. It's, it's uh, the word indicating the, the repulsion that they felt drinking their lukewarm waters. Jesus is saying, I feel that in reference to your Christianity, in reference to your life. It's, it's not pleasing to me. Friend, that's a sad word not pleasing to Christ. I I want us to, to at least consider and sit under that possibility. Lord, is there part of our life, part of my life, where I am displeasing to you? Where you would say, I would spit that out of my mouth. What exactly, though, does this mean? It's a word picture. It's a word picture they got quickly because of their geology, which we talked about, right? But, but what does it mean? What, 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 is he, what is he after? Okay, so don't be lukewarm, got it, but what does that mean? Verse 17 tells us exactly what it means. It begins with the word for, which could be said, because, for this reason, this is why, You say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Laodicea was the most wealthy city of all the cities mentioned in the book of Revelation. Because of where they sat at the crossroads, the trade was coming in, the money was coming in, they had what they needed. There was abundance, it was prosperous. In fact, it's just an indicator of their prosperity. Twenty years before this, there had been an earthquake in that region of the world that had affected all the churches in the book. All, all of those seven cities had been affected by the earthquake, and the cities wrote to Rome and said, help, we've had this big earthquake, all of our public buildings were knocked down, help, and so Rome sent funds to help rebuild all of these cities, but Laodicea never asked because they didn't need to. They simply rebuilt their own city by their own strength, and it was better afterwards Then it began. And Rome marveled at this. They didn't even ask for our help. They just did this by their own strength. And so the city needed no help from Rome. And the church needed no help from the Lord. Self reliant. Independent. We've got this. We are rich. We have prospered. We need nothing. Thanks, Lord. We got this. We're doing fine. They were an affluent church. Affluence has a gravitational pull on people. And it tempts us to self-sufficiency. It tempts us, just like for them, I've got this. See, their focus in their affluence was on, well, their affluence on the externals, on the fact that they were rich and they had prospered. Things were really good. There was a lot of good stuff that they could think about that would distract them, that would, that would grab their focus. What shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? And I've got so much stuff, let's build a second barn so that I can keep all of my stuff and let's go on a journey to sell things. And they had become forgetful of spiritual things and blinded by spiritual things they were laying up treasures on earth rather than treasures in heaven but the lord doesn't isn't confused as he looks at them he sees past all of that really quickly and says hey you're you're pitiful you're you're wretched you're poor you're blind and so he speaks to them very directly and warns them. So what do we say to this? How do we, how do we relate to this passage? But the first thing I think we should do humbly is just recognize there is no church in the book of Revelation so like the American church as Laodicea. There are cultural similarities between Um, these. It was perhaps hard for us as we looked at some of the other churches to really relate to the oppression that some of the other churches were under. This one, I dare say, we can, we can relate to this. We too are an affluent church in an affluent society, secure and comfortable. We are rich. We have prospered. We need nothing. Those words were written by them, but they could totally apply here as well, and Affluence presents, as we see, a danger to the church. It's not that affluence itself is a sin. It's not that having all of your needs met is sinful. It's that it is dangerous. It is spiritually dangerous. Affluence is not a sin, but self-reliance is. Self-reliance self-assurance, self-sufficiency. What displeases the Lord? Their self-reliance displeases the Lord. You say you need nothing when in fact you need everything. You say this, but it's not true. You need to come to me and have your real needs met, but you won't because you think you've got it. As I was considering the passage, I thought, you know, this sounds an awful lot like spiritual pride that would say, you know, I've got this together. And no doubt, that's in here. But it's not just spiritual pride. It's, It's that gravitational pressure of affluence that simply makes it harder to remember how much we need Him Because we don't need anything. Now you know what I'm saying. I know there are needs in this room. God bless you. I know there are serious needs in this room. But let's also say that as as we look at what other churches walk through, um, normatively, we're at a place of not needing much. We're at a place very much like they were of, of affluence. And so we're tempted, we're tempted at least, pressured at least, into being self-reliant. And what did Jesus say? What did he say about the vine and the branches? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, we think, but, but we can. We can start businesses, we can go on trips, we can go to school, we can, we can feed the kids. We, yeah, but apart from him, you can do nothing of value to him. Apart from him, it's, it's lukewarm Christianity. Apart from him, it's the, I want to spit that out of my mouth, Christianity. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So friend, apart from the Lord, you will have a, a fruitless life. Fruit in the sense of spiritual fruit. There we a fruitlessness to it. Spiritual emptiness, a lukewarmness to it. And this this may be, and perhaps there are some in here, where that, that basically just describes your life for the last few months or the last few years, or maybe your, your whole life. You you look across and yeah, I've I'm unaware of your need for Christ, not seeking to depend on him. But I would, I would say for every person in here, there's something for us to do in terms of looking at different areas of our life and sort of, Lord, where am I being self-reliant? Maybe, maybe there's some areas you can look at, thanks be to God, where you say, oh, I'm depending on the Lord here, and I'm depending on the Lord here. Praise the Lord for that. But are there other areas just drifting along, unaware of your need for him church we have to fight this gravitational pull because it doesn't stop pulling you know it, 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 that's the thing about gravity It's rather persistent right it keeps pulling we've got, we've got to keep fighting on a certain level affluence makes us feel like we have fewer needs than other places but I would argue that the spiritual danger presented by affluence means we have a unique need and a unique need to be going to the Lord. God, help me. Lord, help me or I'm going to drift. Lord, help me or I'm going to fall asleep behind the wheel. Lord, help me or the stuff that's all around me is just going to drown me and I'm not going to see you and I'm not going to have a zeal for you and I'm not going to be dependent on you. Lord, every time I open the pantry, it's full of food and I have no sense that I depend on you for what I eat. No sense that I depend on you for my health. No sense that I depend on you in deeper spiritual ways. We need the Lord. So the Lord gives counsel beginning in verse 18. Read this with me. Next two verses. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see those whom I love I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent the Lord had just said that he was going to spit them out of his mouth and then his tone changes and he says, I counsel you. Does the Lord give advice? Does he come alongside with his arm around us and say, I have a suggestion? Friends, I have a suggestion. If the Lord gives a suggestion, Can he not command? Can he not thunder at his people? Yet he whispers, he invites, he draws, he calls us back, don't harden your heart, to the gentle voice of the Lord as he counsels us what to do. And he says, buy from me gold. Now, this is a remarkable statement. It's like full of irony. So, their problem is affluence and the self reliance that comes from it. And the solution to affluence is to go shopping. I didn't see that coming. (laughs) I didn't see that coming. You need, here's my, here's your counsel. I counsel you go shopping, buy from me, not buy from others, not buy from vendors. Not buy from stores. Buy from me, the Lord says. Gold refined by fire. So that you have something of true spiritual worth and value about your life. Do you lack that? I will give that. Come buy from me. Come buy white garments to clothe yourself. Are you, are you aware of your shame? Of the fact that you have nothing Spiritually to be proud of. And come by these white garments that your shame may never be seen. Come by salve to anoint your eyes so that you won't be blind. They were blind. You say, I am rich, not even realizing your true condition. Is that you? Come to me. I'll, I'll, I'll help you see. I'll give you what you need to see. I have what you need. Come Buy from me. You don't even need money to do it. Now, when I hear these verses, another verse comes to my mind. I'm pretty sure John was thinking of it as well as he wrote this. From Isaiah 55, verse 1, a a sweet invitation from the Lord. Come, everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and drink. Come buy wine and milk without money. And without price. Come. Are you thirsty? Just come. That's all you have to do. What qualifies you to come? Your thirst. You're thirsty? Come. And you'll, you'll you'll be given living water from the Lord. Without money, without price. This is a strange market. You come and buy. You need nothing. You need nothing but the sense of dependence to come. And the Lord doesn't just give the water, He gives He gives wine and milk. These, Lavish riches of of drinks that he he gives in the meeting of our needs. And that's what it is here. Come and buy, I counsel you. Come Come and find what you need in me. And then he says in verse 19, Be zealous and repent. Be zealous and repent. That is, admit your blindness, admit your poverty. Here are riches for you. Admit your nakedness. Here is shame-ending clothing that you can wear from me. I made for you. Okay, so let's break this down, friends. Let's get specific. Let's understand what the Lord is saying here. He's pointing out poverty. I am confident that we will discover areas of our life impoverished pointing out poverty, areas of shame, areas where we don't see rightly. Points out poverty, and then he does not say, now, go make gold. Fix thyself. You're poor, go make gold. No, you're poor, come buy gold for me. I have what you need. I have what you need. So, are you under the spell of, of affluence, friend, then humble yourself before the Lord and ask for help. Are you unaware of your spiritual need? Oftentimes in this area, in this area, this area, then then ask for that salve that He would anoint your eyes and show you how much you need the Lord. Are you you aware of your shame, your sin, how far you drift from the Lord? Then, Then ask for Him afresh, those white garments. To wrap around you. You're crushed by how little value you find. When you look in your own soul. Say how much do I love the Lord? Would would my manner of life be pleasing to the Lord? Friend, if, if you're seeing areas where that is a no. Then come buy gold from him. That's precious in his own sight. That you may be rich in Christ, and not poor in Christ. This is a call to look to the Lord, to look to Him for what we need, to change our orientation from self-reliance to Christ-reliance. Lord, I look to You. Lord, I need You. The call, it's, it's a call to buy. It's a call to repent. But it's not just a kind of a, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Sorry, Lord, check the box, move on with life. It says, be zealous and repent. There's a a zeal to the repentance that the Lord is calling us to. Be zealous and repent. Let your repentance be done with zeal, with earnestness. This is what it looks like to depend on the Lord, isn't it? Right? It's not just kind of a Lord, I need you. It's a Lord, I need you. Right? The the, the one doesn't know yet (laughs) that We need the Lord. The other knows deeply, Lord, I need you. Lord, help me. Lord, only you have what I so desperately need. So, this week as, or next as care groups meet, I think it would be a great opportunity to talk about the passage that we're all hearing from the Lord this morning and to say, Right, where, where's the Lord putting His finger in my life? Where have I allowed that pull of affluence to, to, to blind me from my need for the Lord? How, how can I resist that? How can I zealously repent? What, how, how are you doing that? How are you do, would you pray for me as I do that? I don't feel like my prayers for me are enough. Would you pray for me as, as I seek to grow in Christ? Commend that discussion to you over the next week or two as you gather. He says in verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Being reproved is not a lot of fun. Being disciplined is not my favorite. I've been startled. Have you? I've been surprised as we've gone through These seven letters, the Lord has had encouragement for his churches, for sure. But my goodness, he doesn't hesitate to speak words of discipline, to speak the word of correction and rebuke. And if you're like me, that can be uh, hard, hard to hear. Don't want to hear it. Don't want to see that. The Lord hates sin. He's working for the holiness of his people. And lukewarmness he spits out of his mouth. And so he calls us to repent. And in what tone does he call us to repent? He tells us his tone, verse 19, those whom I love, I reprove. This is the kindness of the Lord. Isn't it easy for us to think, you know, love always says the things I want to hear? And the Lord is saying, I'm saying these things that I know are hard to hear out of my love for you. This is out of my affection for you. I want this for you. If we missed that tone of affection in verse 19, hopefully we hear it in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and hear and he with me. He knocks at the door. He's not barging in. He's not demanding entrance. He is inviting you to come to that door. You know, many times this verse has been used to talk to unbelievers about the the call to salvation. Right? You've, You've probably done it. Right? That's fine. It's a good verse for that. Talks about the Lord standing at the door knocking. and he'll, If you open the door, he'll come in. Amen. I just want to point out, this is written to the church. This is written to you, to me. Not just first-timers. That This is the Lord's attitude towards his people. When, when, we, when we get sucked into self-sufficiency, he comes back to the door. I'm here. I'm here. Would you open the door? Behold, he says, behold, over here, hey, hey, look, look, behold. Behold sounds so Bible. Hey, is a little bit more like it for us. Hey, I'm here, look, I'm at the door, I'm knocking. If anyone hears my voice, anyone, anyone, if anyone, what a promise is this? If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'm coming in. That's it. All you've got to do is hear and open. And connecting this with the rest of the passage, that is, hear and repent. Come and buy from me. I'm right here. Open the door. I'm there. I'm there with you. (laughs) Which of the people of God could resist this kind, loving, amazing pursuit of the Lord? There is the Savior, the King of the universe, the one with the name above every name. He rules, he reigns, angels fall down. What's he doing? He's waiting outside a door. Humbling himself. That you may respond to his kindness. Lord, what kind of a Savior do we have that would so humble Himself as to allow us to respond to Him? Friend, if you've never responded to the Lord, or if it's been a long time, then hear His gracious invitation. Hey, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you would open the door, I will come in and eat with you, and you with me. Listen, you may have 10,000 reasons why that won't work. And the first one might be, I don't even know that I believe in God. Okay. Do you hear his voice? And you know what I mean. Do you hear his voice? Then respond. That's it. You hear, you respond. This is what it is to be a Christian. Hear the word from the Lord. We respond to the word. Of the Lord, you open that door and He comes in, your questions will, will recede in the presence of God. So, I encourage you to do that. And, church, which of us doesn't need this about every day? That we're coming back to the Lord, that we're hearing that knock again. You're drifting, you're drifting, come back, come back to me. Church, let's go shopping. What do you say? He has what we need, and he promises to give it. There's a stack of promises here that just get more and more outlandish. They're just, they're ridiculous. It's incredible. Okay, you're poor, all right? I'll just give you all the spiritual gold you need. Okay, that works. (laughs) That would cover my poverty, Got it? Okay. You're ashamed? I've got blood-washed clothing to wrap around you. You're stuck and you can't really see the way forward to following Christ. Just come to me. I I will give you sight. He has what we need. But then, (laughs) he says, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who opens the door we could expect Him to say, we open the door, and He comes in and gives us what we need. Right? Here's the gold you requested. Here's the eye salve that you needed. Here's the clothing that you were lacking, but that's not what He says. What does He say? I'm going to come in, and I'm going to fellowship with you. Friend, repentance is a doorway to fellowship with Jesus. It is a doorway to having what we need. Amen. Amen. He comes and gives us what we need, but he comes with what we need and sticks around. Let's have dinner. This is remarkable of the Lord. He, at the beginning of the passage, was saying, spit out of his mouth those that are lukewarm. And by the end, he's saying, but if you just open the door, let's have dinner. Let's fellowship together. That's amazing. And then one more layer of amazing is the final promise, verse 21. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So the one who conquers. So who's this? Well, it's the same passage, so it's, it's the one who comes and buys from Christ what he needs. It's the one who is zealous and repents. It, it's, it's the same one who, who's depending upon the Lord. Who when he, when he hears that knock, he opens the door and invites Christ. In. That's the one who conquers. That's what, that's what he says. This is, this is the one who conquers. What is he promising? Not just, here's what you need now. Not just, here's the fellowship you need now. But I'm going to bless you incredibly for eternity. And how, how, how can we talk about such blessings? Well, to sit on the throne of Christ seems like an important place to be. Seems like uh, that would be the definition of affluence, of riches, of needing nothing. All of the heavenly kingdom serves that throne. I, I, my mind rebels against I, I don't even understand what does it mean that we will reign with Christ? That's what he's promising here. But not just like we're over here reigning. But we're so near to him while we're doing it as to be said that we are sitting on his throne with him. Lord, thank you. The kind of fellowship that he has promised to us and made us possible for us eternally dwelling with the son of god who's sitting whose throne we are sitting on and apparently that's one of the same throne that the father sits on we're going to sit with christ on his throne even as christ conquered and sat down with his father on his throne this is a picture of fellowship with the triune god for all eternity Friends, let's resist the pull of affluence. Let us humble ourselves before the Lord and this week before each other as we talk in our care groups. Where where do I need to repent? Where do I need you to pray for me? Let's, Let's go before the Lord and find from Him all that we need. And more than that, find fellowship with Him. And I'll close by reading. He who has an ear Let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Worship team, come on up. Jesus, we pray for the gift of zealous repentance. You've called us to be zealous and repent would you also enable us to do so? Lord, for those here who who don't see areas where they need repentance, would you give the gift of open eyes? Lord, for those here that only see things they need to repent of, would you give those white garments? Lord, we are poor, but you are rich, and we look to you together.